This is an ABC podcast. Can you be more Pacific? On ABC Radio Australia. And thanks for joining us on Can You Be More Pacific, where we talk all things sport across the Pacific. And Bolivinaka, my name is Sarah Nangama, and it's great to join you, Dean, on the show again. Coming up in the next hour, we take a look back in the weekend in sport. We have a great interview with Titans Wellbeing Officer Carmen Taplin, and we have a new question for our favorite segment. You can ask that. Heaps to get through, Dean. But first off, how was your week? Week's been good, uh, tracking along. It's still uh, locked down here in Sydney, so um, that's been difficult for everyone, but um, I'm surviving at home with my kids. I, I actually like being with my kids every day, so when I get busy and work and I'm not home, I miss them a lot, but now they're starting to get under my skin a little bit. It's bonding time. I still like spending time with her. No bad days, just character building days, That's right. right. How's that. your week been? Um, it's been really good. Look, to be honest, I'm butt hurt, literally. I... Um, Went and bought a skateboard a couple of weeks ago and I have been riding it a fair bit and um, on the weekend I fell off my skateboard and not once but twice um, and I did have a crowd around me. So it was really hard to pick myself up off the ground again. Um, but as a, as a great reminder of it, my glute I believe is broken. <laughs> my right glute to be specific. For anyone that cares. What kind of stack was it? Was it like something got stuck under the wheel? Like, you know, like there's a, like a rock and you hit yeah. a rock on the wheel and you fall over or you just like unbalanced? No, yeah, unbalanced. Like to be fair, like I can, when I'm, when I'm in motion and I'm, I'm cruising, like I look like an Olympian. Yeah. Um, but basically I came off because I'd stopped, like, you know, how you like kind of drag your foot to come to a stop. And then it just slipped under me. Like as I was like trying to take my foot off, the board just like proper slipped under me. And you know how people make that... You know, that no that exact noise. Yeah. And I saw I just like, did it thinking about it. Sorry. Yeah. And it happened and I was, I was really embarrassed. So yeah. Um, other than being butt hurt. <laughs> as long as you dusted yourself off, you got back up and got back on the board. And that's exactly what I've done. I've dusted myself off and I've started again and week's been great. And yeah, I've just, you know, I've really had to dial it back because my glutes really affecting my day to day life at the moment. Like I normally love to go for a run, but I had to go for like a really humble walk, slow jog. With a limp. Yep. So it was fabulous. Anywho, to the, to the sport this week. Plenty to get through. In the NRL, there was a, a bunch of games on the weekend that sort of had an impact on the eight. Um, but also uh, the first one that sort of springs to mind is the Storm 34 defeating the Titans 20 because for the Storm, that's their 19th consecutive win. It equals the Sydney Roosters of the of 1975 season. So it's a, a massive record. The stats on the man. They get an opportunity to break <laughs> that record and hold it as their own this week. But yeah. a huge performance from the Storm, minus a few players. Yeah, it was a huge performance. I mean, the Storm are just so impressive. It's hard to think anyone can break their winning streak. Um, but as we know, and we saw last year with the Panthers, you could have 17 consecutive wins get to the grand final, the game that matters most, and uh, not put it away. So just got to watch this space. But man, Storm, too good. Yeah, very, very good. Mar Marion Sebe, who was actually in the, the West Tigers system when you marry him when I was still playing. And in his first appearance for the year, Marion scored his fifth career try, and this is how it went. They work at left, Munster away to Kenny Bromwich to Pappenhausen. He sends it on the inside to Wadokar. Straight past Bogarty. Seve with him. Now they're back. Marion Seve will score between the posts. Set up by Pappenhausen and Adokar. Try to the Melbourne Storm. 
there's some familiar names in there, Adokar, Ryan Pappenhausen, but Seve on the end of it. Huge names. I love Andrew Moore's voice. God, it just takes you like right to that moment. Like you can see it vividly. Yeah, without giving him too much of a big head. He is a gun. <laughs> He's a gun caller. Andrew, love working with him. You talk about how much you love him every week. I know, I do. You do? Yeah, he's a good caller. The other game that we want to talk about, well, definitely was a highlight for me, was the Panthers versus Rabbitohs game. Panthers won 25 to 12. It was a very entertaining game. I thought in the first half that the Rabbitohs um, proved to be a little bit too strong for the Panthers, but come second half, there were some real standout performances. Particularly, I want to mention Paul Momorowski. <clears throat> um, he kicked it coming down the sideline. You'd think that, you know, he's run out of space. Kicks it infield, first tries. Nathan Cleary collects it midfield puts it under. And the second one, which was most impressive, was, again, Paul Momorowski just orchestrating all these great tries, kicks it, Stephen Crichton reaches out with one hand and brings it down right over the line. Cleary goes to the right. There's 30 seconds left in the half. Crichton to Martin. Fights a lovely ball. Momorowski, crossfield kick. What a catch, Crichton. He scores. Momorowski's got the Adam Reynolds-style boot. It's gold, baby. It's gold, baby. <laughs> I love that. And honestly, he was so instrumental uh, for the Panthers. And then the last uh, try came from the Panthers hooker, Apisai Corusau. He basically did a no look and sold me even in my lounge room and uh, just slotted through. Three tackles left for Penrith. Appy spots a huge gap. And he's over to score. And he gets mauled by his teammates. I think the time came earlier. Game, set, bingo. What a win for Penrith. <laughs> was there much of a gap? There was much of a gap. No, there wasn't much of a gap. No? No. At halftime, it was 10-12. <laughs> Sorry, I was like, where's this question going? At halftime, it was 10-12 Southway, and then come full-time, it was 25-12. to Yeah, I was more alluding to um, the gap that Apicorosau went through because... Oh, that's really awkward. <laughs> wow. When you speak rugby league and you pretend to speak rugby league, there you no, go. No, no, no. <laughs> I know where you went with... Your answer, my, my, just Andrew Moore again, just with his calls. It was you, you, you. It just kept going. <laughs> I can't go that long. Sorry. Well, that is all in the NRL, <laughs> the NRL arena. Turning our attention to the Super Netball in the prelim final, the Giants had the West Coast favor, defeated them sixty-four to sixty-one, which now means that the Giants are through to the grand final against the New South Wales Swifts. Yeah, it's been a uh, a tough year of battles between these two teams, the uh, New South Wales counterparts, and um, the Giants. Led the whole way against the West Coast Fever. They are the minor premiers. I thought they were in the box seat to win that first major final a few weeks ago, but they're in the grand final anyway against the Swiss. One extra game under their belt, and I can't wait for this one. It's going to be a really, really big match, and I think there's going to be some physical um, netball play like there was in their major semi. Yeah, it's going to be a huge one, and there's bragging rights up for grabs, so let the best team win. Indeed. And in the AFL, Nick Natanui was selected in the All-Australian team. So uh, it's a, a good achievement for Nick, considering that the West Coast Eagles have struggled this year. They finished in ninth position, so outside the finals. Um, and yeah, for him to be able to be picked up in the All-Australian side for the third time uh, to be nominated, uh, 2012, 2020, and now 2021, shows what a remarkable player he is. Yeah, it's a huge achievement and you never want to take those moments for granted. And this is purely because I don't know. But is there like a game that they get to play or is it just like a, a prestigious list that you're listed on? Yeah, it's a merit a merit side. So, yeah, cool. Um, it's, yeah, for anyone to be picked in a, a national merit side, it's uh, something that no doubt he'll be very proud of. Really cool. Turning our attention to the event of this month, the Paralympics kicked off on Tuesday evening. What a stunning opening ceremony it was. 
Yeah, stunning opening ceremony. And Fiji's flag bearer was Yusefa Rakisa, uh, who got to carry the flag. He's a shot putter, and um, it was obviously uh, a very big moment for himself and one that he is uh, no doubt really proud of as well. Yeah, no doubt, but it hasn't been um, all good feel stories coming out of the islands because a couple of nations have had to pull out due to COVID-19. Those nations include Samoa, Kiribati, Tonga and Vanuatu, which means that only Papua New Guinea, Fiji and Solomon Islands will be taking part in the Games. It's hugely disappointing purely because, you know, every athlete dreams of participating in the Olympics um, and to see that taken away from them because of this deadly virus that is just causing havoc everywhere is, is really sad. Yeah, it is sad and you're right. It's happened um, at the Olympics that just finished only a few weeks ago with nations withdrawing athletes, Pacific nations withdrawing athletes and um, again for it to occur in the Paralympics is, is disappointing. Uh, for those nations and for those athletes that had no doubt trained for now five years to prepare for, for this uh, meet and don't get the opportunity to do that, it is disappointing for them. Talanoa time on Can You Be More Pacific? So this week on Talanoa Time, we're lucky to be joined by Carmen Taplin. She's a wellbeing officer with the Gold Coast Titans. She's been in the rugby league world for a number of years, working with New Zealand Rugby League, with the Roosters, uh, and, and basically helping bring through, uh, and the Warriors, I should say as well, but helping bring through um, young rugby league players uh, into the elite environment and doing a very good job at that. Carmen Taplin, thanks for joining us on Can You Be More Pacific? Thank you both for having me. It's um, a real honour, actually. So, yeah, I was stoked, stoked to be on. As I said in the intro, your your resume is pretty big, and I've known you for a few years now. We were lucky enough to to do some work together in in the wellbeing space. What is it, I guess, that that attracted you to uh, rugby league in the first place? Um, I've always had a passion for rugby league. I've never played it, but as a as a fan, and um, I, I was just lucky enough to get a role at. New Zealand Rugby League way back in 2007 in an administration role and um, the rest was history. My husband played um, and I supported, uh, managed and did all those bits and pieces but to be able to work in the game was just something I was really excited about and I had no idea it was going to take me where it's taken me to today. And you, I mentioned that you're a wellbeing um, manager now and, and, and that's uh, being the area that you've worked in for probably the last, what is it, five or six years you've, you've been working as a wellbeing officer slash manager. It, what drew you to that particular role, obviously, but coming from administration and, and, and sort of working your way in towards the wellbeing space? I think, um, so at the New Zealand Rugby League, I'm Tony Kemp, who, um, you know, you either love him or, or you don't. <laughs> I, I really love him. I've <laughs> got so much respect for him. He gave me an opportunity to work in the Kiwis management group. Um, and so being involved in that space as the auntie, um, you know, looking after, I suppose, uh, introducing a female into that space um, was a way for him to kind of um, show that women are respected in those roles and, and that kind of thing. And um, I did that for four years and I think it was just the relationship that I gained through the boys and understanding really quickly, even though you, the elite athletes at the top of their game, that they were very much human beings that were just like my brothers or my cousins or my, 
you know, the people back home. And, and I really felt like there was a, a real um, essence of well-being that I could offer in that area. So that's probably what got me interested in that space. And then we were house parents at the Roosters 2013, and that's where I thought, well, there's a huge need. Um, I think there had been a couple of youth suicides back in 2013, early early in the year and months, and I thought, gosh, I think I can do something to help. And that's probably started it. Carmen, it's pretty crazy to hear about your story, about where you started to where you are today, and no doubt being a wellbeing officer, you have a huge role that's all-encompassing when it comes to supporting um, the teams that you're involved in as well as the boys and girls. I have a question in regards to, um, I guess, what, how important is your culture in helping you in your day-to-day role as a wellbeing officer? Oh, it's, it's huge. I think, um, well, being Māori, and I, I'm from that, my parents were in the, um, back in the day where Māori, you know, you don't speak Māori, you get punished if you speak Māori. So I was probably um, wanted to learn so much more but wasn't allowed to. So now that I'm a bit older, a lot older, but um, the value of my culture is just so important. And for me, seeing it even through the wellbeing space, how key it is for that connection. Like for me, that connection to home is so important. Um, the intrinsic um, strengths that we have as Māori or Pacifica or Indigenous, you know, it's where we feel our way through things um, more so than needing the data in front of us to know that this is the right thing to do. Um, We're trusted more by our instinct and to be honest, that's been a real guiding light for me in the work that I do. Um, It's it's a blessing, um, I think when you look at the makeup of the NRL and the NRLW, the percentages are huge with regards to our um, Pacifica Māori and our Indigenous players. So I think if we, you know, can do more in that cultural space in this in the wellbeing area, I think a lot more of our players would be flourishing or would be thriving. It's an interesting point you make about the disconnection that that some may have to culture from an earlier age. Do you see that rugby league and sport in general actually provides opportunities for players? Uh, And this is something that I've personally sort of observed in in rugby league is that players have an opportunity to learn more about their culture through rugby league. Oh, definitely. I think with the specific uh, programs that um, Nigel Wagner, you know, I think he started and you, um, you know, stepped into that mantle and drove and, I, I love that. Um, Dave Solomona and his space is trying to do a lot of work in the Pacifica space to, I suppose, um, champion that for all the players. Um, the NRL are fantastic in allowing us to do that. And, you know, like for me and the, the work that I do, I kind of say, okay, what are the guidelines? Oh, yeah, I'm going to go. I'll, I'll stick to the rules, but I'm going to do it a little bit different. And that's what I, I love about the game. Um the Titans, where I'm at at the moment, they just they have a Titans cultural collective, which just blew my mind. So they've got a board of people, you know, um, Samoan, Tongan, uh, Cook Island. We've got our Indigenous boys on there. Um, and it's all about we meet once a month and we talk about our cultures. What are some of the things we can do in the day or in the weeks or game days to make sure we include culture in there and the richness of it um and so i'm i'm so blessed to be where i am right now that sounds like such a great initiative i think often when we talk about diversity and listening to um you know different voices it could be the same people in a boardroom every you know 
couple months, but the fact that you guys are meeting once a month to to actively discuss what can be done, I think is such an important step to um, just creating a game that is, is inclusive and allows our players to truly express themselves and learn more about their culture. And just on the note of you being a wellbeing officer, no doubt you would see plenty of things throughout a day, yet alone throughout a week. So I have to ask, what is your favourite part of the job and what is also the hardest part of your job? Uh, my favourite, I think, is the relationships you are able to build with players. And it's the, the girls and boys. Like just before this call, I got a text from one of our, you know, our W girls. She's young, 18, just needed a little bit of guidance around nutrition and work. And, and she just messaged me going, um, Auntie Carms, I just, I got my plan and I've stuck into my training and I'm, I'm so grateful. And those are the, that's what I love about it. Um I said it's not nothing, but I said that the hardest part is when you have to say goodbye, you know, like if I move on or players move on, that's probably the hardest. I mean, I, I care about them for life. Um, I message, honestly, I message boys like from day dot all the time, checking in how they are. But I think the relationship when they do, you know, I've got to understand that they move on and and, and, and life goes on for them. Um, I suppose that's probably my my least favourite thing. But otherwise, I love the ups and downs. I love the challenges. They help me grow as a as a wellbeing officer and um, as a human. So, yeah, not much of a downside, to be honest, from my perspective anyway. Others might think differently. <laughs> no, I love that. And the part where you said you care about your players for life speaks volumes of the connections that you have um, that – don't just last when you're in a club or based on how long a player is signed for. It's that you genuinely care for these people. And, um, yeah, I just think that's really, really great. Coming to the present day, COVID obviously affecting everything. Has it impacted your day-to-day role? Uh, it's probably made it more important. Um, and Zoom, you know, that's the one thing I will say to COVID um, that I'm grateful for is the fact that we realised pretty quick, well, actually, we don't have to meet face-to-face to have a meaningful discussion. And um, I'm able to squish in so many meetings now without having to add in travel time. And But I think it has highlighted the need for that connection. And um, so it's made my job, and I'm sure all the other wellbeing managers' jobs, a lot more busier in that sense. Not that we've got more drama or anything bubbling under the surface, but the fact that it's so important that we keep in contact um, one way or, or another. That's so great to hear. Well, Carmen, what we love to do before our guests, before we wrap up the, sh- um, sorry, the interview is we have a segment called Tip On and basically what we want to do is just run through some rapid questions with you and have you answer them. It's, it's meant to be fun. It's meant to be lighthearted and basically you're just meant to say the first thing that comes to mind. Would you be up for it? Okay. <laughs> I love it. So we'll get the, the clock going and um, we'll get stuck into it straight away. Oh my gosh. You got this. First question. What have you been reading, watching, or listening to lately? Oh, um, Belonging, Owen Eastwood's book. Love it. Our producer is also listening. Uh, sorry, reading that. What was your first concert? Um, um, Justin Bieber, which wasn't that long ago. <laughs> I love that. Who was your most annoying, uh, who was the most annoying player that you've ever had to deal with? Uh Jess Chibunga. <laughs> but he's also my favourite. Love it. Who is he's your... also my favourite oh. and I love him. Oh, noted. Who is your sporting hero? Uh, 
Oh, my gosh. Sporting hero, sporting hero. I say Ali Leotiti. Beautiful. Do you have a hidden talent? Um, not really. What's your oh, go- maybe oh, singing. Singing. Okay, we'll hold you to that. What's your go-to karaoke song? Oh, um, perfect. Um, Fairground Attraction. Noted. Scale of 1 to 10, how good are you at keeping secrets? Uh, is one good or ten? Ten Ten's is good. Ten's um, good. I'll be saying, oh, ten. Ten. That's a solid, solid um, evaluation. I'm, you're ten at keeping secrets. <laughs> Can you give us? A I have to say that I'm a well-being person. Yes, <laughs> yes. I was to. just going to say. I was like, it comes with the, it comes with the, it comes with the role, really. Yeah. You're, are you going to give us a, a couple of notes from Perfect? Oh no, 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 no! no. I, I just panicked. Yeah, I panicked then. So okay. <laughs> I want to yeah. touch on Justin Bieber. That was your first concert. Yeah, I'm not really a crowds person, and my uh, daughter was turning thirteen, so I had to take her. But oh, you're a good I love solid it, mom. But, um, <laughs> I love that. Well, Carmen, thanks very much for uh, sharing your story with us today on the show. And um, I can say, and I know this from all the people that I've spoken to that have been lucky enough to work with you there, um, the players are very lucky to have you as a wellbeing officer wherever you go, be it the Roosters, the Warriors, the Titans, New Zealand. Um, <laughs> but once again, yeah, thanks for joining us on the show. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. That was Carmen Taplin, Gold Coast Titans wellbeing officer. You can ask that. Your chance to ask what it's really like to be an elite athlete on Can You Be More Pacific? All right, it's time for that part of the show where we dig into some questions that perhaps you want to ask or that we've been asking of ourselves uh, <laughs> in our own minds. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's called You Can Ask That. And yeah, it's tough questions that maybe you've had in your mind. And you can send your questions to Radio Australia on Twitter or to Sarah Ngama or myself, Dean Hallitow, on our Instagram. So this week's question was inspired by Luke Lewis, and it is around whether or not you interact with your opponents before a game. What about this game? How weird it would be for both of them. They have breakfast this morning together. Yeah, right. And they jump on the plane together, go to the game together. They play, and they jump on the plane and travel home back to the same hotel all together. How would you go with that? I think it'd be very weird, because I hate talking to any team that I'm playing before I have to play him. I'm sweet after the game. I've seen Louie with but, a coach or an assistant coach or a trainer from one team talking to the other as they arrive at a ground before they even start warming up. Louie's like, what is he doing talking to him? Not on game day. It, it, it on game day, you, it, oh, it irritates me. Yeah, yeah. I hate it. <laughs> so just a bit of context for our listeners. At the moment, the NRL's based in Queensland. All teams are based up there and they're in these hubs. So for some of the games, the teams that are playing each other have to travel on a chartered flight together to the game play each other, then get back on the same flight and travel back to Queen, uh, to, their, to their hub, wherever they're based. And that's what um, sparked that conversation. And, and obviously, Luke Lewis does not like interacting with his opponents pre-game. Clearly. What about you, Sarah? What do you like doing or do you like interacting with opponents before a game? Short answer, no, I don't. Um, purely because when I'm preparing for a game, I'm thinking about my role, my team, and putting myself in the mindset of like, we're here to win, there's no friends, you know? And basically... I've definitely had encounters where, you know, your friends kind of look at you from across the field just before you're about to start warm up, but you're like, no, nah, we're not doing this here. Yeah. I always think about like boxers, right? Boxers or fighters when they're squaring off before a fight and they're looking at each other and then one of them will smirk or look away mm. and the other boxer knows that he's got that opponent because they've shown just that little bit of, I guess, weakness it might be, but I'm the same. I don't like 
talking to opponents before a game. I don't like interacting with staff members from an opposing team. If they try to engage me, say, in a tunnel or around the um, the bench when we're looking out the field before the game, I'd be like, oh, yeah, awkwardly walk away. And Yeah, you have to be, like, super vague in your interactions, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got to go get strapped so, and just walk <laughs> away, even if they're, like, long-term friends as well. Yeah, I mean, and I guess it, it, it is a, it's a respect thing as well, right? Like, it's like you have a job to do. And I also don't think – I definitely don't appreciate when my teammates go and, like, you know, crank up a long conversation with your opponent, like, without – with the opposition, sorry. Um, just because I think like it's a respect thing. Like you have a job first and then you can interact afterwards. And you can appreciate this too. You're about to run out onto a field where you're really going to try and smash someone. Oh, a hundred. Know that they're going to try and smash you. You've got to run aggressively into them with the ball in your hand. So yeah, playing nice and being friendly doesn't really get you in the frame of mind to do that. I definitely agree. Yes, Nelly. Question. So, Dean, what about when you played against your um, old club for the first time? You obviously had good relationships with them because I believe you left both teams on good terms. What about when you faced them the mm. next time? Does that Did that come into it at all? Yeah, no, it was a look across, say, the tunnel because you're on opposite sides of the tunnel where, where you're based. So it might be a look across and a, and a quick nod, but I was always a really nervous person person before a game like I'd always prep as meticulously as I could and um, yeah I was always in my own head worried about the performance so if anything sort of sort of came into that and got in the way I feel like I'm ruining my preparation so it was always really awkward like yeah, yeah you don't have to be like completely ignore them but yeah. it's like it's really like it's a nod or it's an eyebrow raise yeah but it's no like how's the fan bam oh my yeah. goodness tell me about your week not a not a handshake and a cuddle and a hey what's up bro let's yeah no no it's like save it for the change room and the beverages yeah yeah well i guess it's really interesting to hear that both of our takes are quite similar in the sense that we don't really want to interact with the opposition and it's not a sign of disrespect it's just a sign of preparation and i guess respect for um the job that you're about to do and the people around you are going to help you achieve that so again, if you have any questions that you'd like to ask Dean or myself, please feel free to send them through to Radio Australia on Twitter or find us on our Instagram handles at Sarah Nangama or Dean Hallitau. Can you be more Pacific on ABC Radio Australia? Oh my God. Can you be more Pacific? Talking all things sport across the Pacific. Coming up next, we get a report from our man on the ground in PNG. We've got our favourite social media content for the week and also in the rut. Today, we're lucky to be joined by Peter Pussel, who is a reporter for The National in Papua New Guinea. And uh, Peter, it is a pleasure to have you on the show. How are things in PNG at the moment, Peter? Well, um, as you know, COVID-19 COVID has uh, impacted a lot of areas. And uh, in terms of sports, the uh, major competitions actually restricted fans from coming and watching. So games are being played at empty venues, basically. That was, that's what happened at the start of the season. But as we're coming to the end of the season, they uh, have relaxed some of the restrictions. And uh, for the Digital Cup here in PNG, which is our number one rugby competition, um, they're, they're into the finals and they've relaxed the restrictions and now we're having fans coming in, I think, at a close to 100% capacity at our at our main uh, venues and obviously they're following COVID-19 protocols and safety uh, measures and 
uh, in terms of the games, well, rugby has gone ahead with uh, with that thing, and uh, soccer also, our national soccer league has also started to let fans back in. So those are the two major sports that have been allowed to to continue their competitions, and and now the the fans have been allowed back into the venue. So that's a plus. And um, in terms of other sports, unfortunately, a lot of sports have uh, been forced to um, abandon their seasons. Some have have started, but with a lot of restrictions. So um, basically not seeing much happening in major centers uh, in terms of uh, a lot of fans going on the weekends to watch sports. But uh, some out in the provinces, um, you, you are having um, competitions. I'm not too sure if, if fans are going, but um, definitely in the major centers, the restrictions are, are a, lot, a lot more uh, stringent. So um, that's basically what's happening in sport in, in PNG. But, uh, you know, people are still... Uh, positive and, and they're willing to to go to anything that's that's all um, and and actually thankfully the NRL is still running so people have something to watch um, on Fridays on Saturdays on Sundays so that's a good thing especially when you come into the finals pretty exciting this time of year. I agree with all you said that even in a world where COVID exists, I guess what brings people together is sport and. Rugby League, thankfully, um, is is providing all the entertainment that we need, plus more. Peter, yeah. you, you've gone out and uh, you've had, a, or you've done an interview with Andrew Lapani. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about uh, what can we expect from this interview? And it's it's a sport that not many people or not many of our listeners would have heard of, but tech ball. So, yeah, what's what's a preview to to your chat with Andrew? Yeah, so uh, Andrew is the secretary of Tech Ball PNG. It's a sport that just started recently in PNG. I mean, they they up and running on two years ago, um, and it's picking up interest. I actually never heard of the sport until Andrew sent me an email, I mean, three months ago, and I told me to watch some YouTube videos on what it was like. So it's basically um, a table tennis um, table, and uh, it's got a, a net or a board across, and uh, the, they use a size five soccer ball. And you cannot hold the ball with your hands, so it's basically soccer wheels and also a bit of volleyball skills. You can use your legs, your knees, your your feet, obviously, and your head. <laughs> That's about it. So you really have to be flexible. It was started in Hungary in Europe in 2016, so it's a very new sport. Um, but apparently, it's it's got a lot of interest around the world globally. So apparently, there's 100, 120 or 30 countries that the sport is has established in. And so that's that's interesting. And PNG, as you know, uh, we love our rugby league here, but uh, we're also open to other sports. And uh, Tech Ball is, uh, is also started here. It's established its, its association, and the PNG Olympic Committee has also recognized it. So it's it's already sort of strong foothold in, in that regard. And uh, they're looking to to expand and uh, interest get interest mostly from from students, you know, young people. It's basically a young person's sport. Can we see anyone over uh, over forty five playing? Well, I've it's the first time I'm hearing about you. You'd never heard about it before. I've never heard about it, and I struggle to kick a soccer ball on flat ground, so I don't know how <laughs> I'd go with a curved table. Thank you so much, Peter, um, for giving us an update of all the things that are happening in sport in PNG. We thank you for your time, and we look forward to hearing more reports from you throughout the year. Sure, no worries, Aaron. Dean, thanks for the opportunity. Um, always happy to help out. I'm here with Andrew Lapani, the secretary for Techball PNG, and he will tell us a little bit about this new sport that's in PNG at the moment and growing. It's an interesting sport. First of all, welcome, Andrew, to the show. Can you be more specific 
Uh, just tell us about the history of the sport very briefly and uh, what, what you're trying to achieve in PNG and what have you done so far and what the future holds. Thanks, Peter. One of my favorite shows. Can you be more specific? I uh, love the show, so it's a pleasure being on it again. Um, so Techball, it is growing in Papua New Guinea and I get asked a lot, what is Techball um, by a lot of different people. And so the easiest way, I guess, to explain it is it's a sport that sort of brings together elements of table tennis in the fact that the table that is used to play the sport on is curved, but it is the same sort of shape and design of a table tennis table. And then um, elements of football or soccer and volleyball, I guess. So in terms of soccer, you can use all parts of your body except for your hands, just like in soccer. And we play with a size five soccer ball and then volleyball. Uh, you have three hits in volleyball to get the ball over to the other side of the net or the, or the, the table in this case. And it's the same in, in tech ball. Um, similar to table tennis in that you can play singles, doubles, mixed doubles. Um, and like all those sports, it's a lot of fun. A very challenging, skillful sport. And as you said, we have now introduced it to PNG. Um, so we're very excited about that. Tech PNG is the national federation for the sport in Papua New Guinea. We just recently were given membership into the PNG Olympic Committee, so the National Olympic Committee of Papua New Guinea. And that gives us a bit of um, credibility and allows us to really pursue our ambition and our vision for, for the sport of tech ball in the country. So tech ball, that's our history in PNG, very recent. Uh, we started laying the foundations for our establishment in the country last year in 2020. We were accepted into the International Federation for Tech Ball FITEC last year, and as I mentioned earlier this year, now a member of the PNG Olympic Committee. Um, tech Ball, interesting in how it came into the country, or how we came to learn about it. So, uh, FITEC is the international body for Tech Ball, and they have been trying to grow the sport in, uh, throughout the world. In fact, they lay the claim to it to being the fastest growing sport in the world. And I think there's evidence to justify that in the fact that uh, their social media following is exploding. So if you're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh, TikTok, any of those social media platforms, um, just follow uh, TechBall and you'll see that there's quite a big global community out there. The sport was only really invented in 2014 by a group of friends in Hungary. I know you're hungry right now, but uh, we're, talking about the, <laughs> we're talking about the country in Eastern Europe. So these group of mates, uh, one of them, oh, they all love football, soccer, and one of them was actually quite good at it um, and, you know, was pursuing a sort of professional career. Unfortunately, he had an injury, and so that prevented him from going down that path, but he still loved to, to play football. Um, they used to get together all the time and juggle the ball and try different tricks with the soccer ball. They had a table tennis table, so they started to do those same skills on the table tennis table. And then they thought, you know, to make this game even more interesting, we should put a curve into the table. So they got a proper designer to go ahead and, and do all that architectural stuff to make the, the table work for them. And uh, in 2014, they, they invented the sport. And just in this short period of time, seven years, it's grown all over the world. Um, it's in 140 countries at the moment. Here in the Oceania region, there are seven countries, with PNG being the most recent one, to get on board and become a national federation of FITEC. Uh, so we have American Samoa, Cook Islands, Guam, New Caledonia, PNG, as I mentioned, Tuvalu, and Vanuatu as the seven uh, countries in the Oceania region that have a, a tech ball federation. And I know, you know, the similarities with, with football, with soccer that uh, it's only a matter of time before Fiji and Solomon Islands, Samoa and some of the other Pacific Island countries out there get on board. So if you're listening right now and you're based in Solomon's or Fiji or Samoa, 
uh, get in touch with Fitech. I know that they've been sending the feelers out to people in, in those countries, trying to get them to uh, establish the sport and grow the sport. And they'll be very interested in hearing from you. But here in PNG, as I said, our vision is to grow the sport. And you mentioned that we've been holding some tournaments. So we had our very first tournament last month. It was a great success. We had a whole bunch of people taking part in a singles competition and a doubles competition. And the feedback from them that they really enjoyed it. They're already asking for when the next tournament is. So we're planning uh, to hold our next tournament um, in the coming months. And further down the track, um, hopefully send our first ever PNG Tech Ball representatives to the World Championships that are happening later this year. So we're excited about that uh, as well. And obviously the long-term dream um, is to see the sport grow throughout the country. Uh, currently, as we've just started, we're, we're only based in, in the major centers here in Port Moresby. Some interest in Ley and Medang. Um, so we want to grow the sport uh, not only in those uh, major centers but throughout the country as well. So if you're listening here in Papua New Guinea and, and interested in, in understanding a bit more about tech ball and seeing how you can get the sport going in your own uh, village or in your own community, please reach out to us. We've got a Facebook page, we've got an Instagram page, or you can just email us on techpng at gmail.com. But uh, our long-term vision aligns with the vision of FITEC, the International Federation, and that is to see tech ball become an Olympic sport. They're very passionate and they're pursuing this with a lot of vigor. Uh, they're ticking a lot of the boxes in terms of making sure that they comply with what the IOC would like to see from Olympic sports. So as I mentioned, they've grown rapidly in the last seven years, over 140 countries playing. Uh, it's uh, inclusive sport. Um, so men and women obviously playing um, and in all regions of the world, all corners of the world. And they've just recently introduced paratech ball as well. So not only in the Olympics, but maybe in the Paralympics uh, in the future. And they've set their target of, of being um, an Olympic sport and hopefully on the program. I think Paris is, is just around the corner three years away, which might be a bit too soon. Um, but we've got LA in 2028 as uh, the host of the Olympic Games. And then obviously the exciting news that the Olympics are coming to our region in Brisbane in 2032. So that would be fantastic if tech ball is on the program at the Brisbane Olympics and uh, even more better if we can see some PNG athletes representing the country and part of Team PNG at those Olympic Games in, in, in Brisbane. Um, that would be a dream come true. So that's, that's where we're going. It's a long road ahead and we've just started obviously. Uh, so we're looking for interested people to come on board um, join us as we work towards this vision and uh, work towards growing this, this really fun, uh, really exciting sport um, in Papua New Guinea. Well, Andrew, I think you've answered the question in full. Um, I think everyone out there would now be interested in tech ball. And tech ball is spelled T-E-Q-B-A-L-L, is that correct? T-E-Q-B-A-L-L. So if you Google it or uh, if you're on YouTube, actually, type that in and you'll see some amazing videos of people playing tech ball making use of any sort of flat service, surface to have a bit of fun. Um, and that's the beauty of it. It can be played anywhere, uh, especially COVID. And those of you in lockdown at the moment, you don't need a big space. Just get the soccer ball out and, and start hitting it and playing with friends. And I think that adds um, are one of the reasons why tech ball has become so popular. Another reason why I think it's also so popular is we see a lot of uh, sporting personalities, especially some of the big international football professional players getting their tech ball tables out and, and playing. And you see a lot of the clubs um, have tech ball and are integrating tech ball into their, their daily training regimes. I think very recently, uh, the big news of Lionel Messi leaving Barcelona and joining Paris Saint-Germain. And on his very first day of training, uh, he was playing tech ball. 
And it's, so it just goes to emphasize, you know, how, how fast and how widely accepted this sport has become and um, the potential that's there. So, yeah, in the region, we want to see it grow as well and reach its full potential here in the Pacific. Well, Andrew, thank you very much for your time, for sharing all that wonderful information on TechBall and uh, its introduction in PNG. We wish you and the sport all the best, and uh, we'll probably see you uh, playing that uh, sport on a, a table somewhere this weekend or the next weekend or sometime this year. Thanks a lot, Peter. That's our reporter, Peter Pasal, talking all things tech ball in PNG. Yeah, what a sport, tech ball. I'd, I don't think I'd be any good at it because I'm terrible at soccer and Can't use flexibility. Flexibility is not my strong suit either. <laughs> How would you get? I reckon you'd be all right at tech ball. I mean, I'd have to try it, but like I also am known among my friends for giving up uh, very easily when I'm not good at a sport. So, uh, I mean, I just kind of, I can't even imagine. Pack up the table and walk off. (laughs) Yes, that is part of my tantrum. Um, But no, I just can't even imagine trying to create a new sport from scratch and to hear in the port that sorry, in the report that they're trying to make it an Olympic sport one day, is huge aspirations for a new sport. Well, it's got a world championship. So was it seven seven nations that they said in the Pacific region that are that now have um, tech ball as, as one of their sports? So it is a growing sport by the sounds of it. Mm. And if the region picks it up and uh, we can see some PNG athletes uh, participating at world championship level in the Olympics. Exciting. Next minute, yeah. you and I at the Tech Ball World Championships preparing to go to the Olympics. Representing oh, wow. Australia. Look at us go. <laughs> Can you be more Pacific? Keeping it social. Another week, another post. Time to talk about our favourite socials from this week. Dean, why don't you go first? All right. I uh, I was sent this one by our producer, Nelly, actually. she. Uh, she oh, she's this... doing your homework for you? Yeah, she's helping me out. <laughs> You know, you've seen my social activity. I'm not very prevalent on there. Mm, can confirm. So I need some help. But this one got me got me laughing. It was Ruby Tui, the sevens player from New Zealand who won successfully won a gold medal at the Olympics, returns back, has to hotel quarantine like all the other athletes do when they return. Um, and so she was quite happy to be getting out of As you would be. Out of quarantine after two weeks and time to go home and celebrate the gold medal with her family, but <laughs> then gets home and has to uh Shut it down at home because New Zealand's a lockdown. That sucks, man. I'm free, fam. We're out of here. I'm officially out the gate. Let's go. I, I can't help but laugh because I've had the opportunity to speak to Ruby before and she's just hilarious. And, I mean, I could not imagine anything worse, like being locked down in a hotel room and then having to go home and you're in lockdown again. Yeah, it's... It's a bad situation that a lot of people are facing at the moment, but she... She made light of the situation. She made light of it and had a bit of a laugh. And she, yeah, she's a great character. We've seen her through the Olympics when she's gone viral with her, her interview she did with BBC. And yeah, that was my social for the week. What about yours? What's your social for the week? Mine is a little bit different compared to what I normally spotlight. It is Andrew Fafida. As we know, two weeks ago, he was placed um, in an induced coma um, due to a throat injury. You know, I couldn't even imagine what he's going through, what his family's going through, but he put up a picture of him and another patient on his Instagram and her name is Lexi and basically was like, you know, if you thought, you know, I've been going through a tough time, forget about me. Like you should be thinking about Lexi, like she's a trooper. And I just thought like, man, you have no reason, um, I guess, to to be selfless in a moment where, you know, you're faced with your own trauma when it comes to your health. But he, by the looks of it, he's still in his own hospital gown, has made around and is bedside with this girl and just I could imagine having a chat to her. So I thought that was really, um, really special because he's just going through a hell of a lot himself. 
Yeah, he's he's a guy with a big heart, Andrew Favita. He wears it on his sleeve as well. And looking at the photo on his on his Instagram page, and she's got a big smile on her face, Lex. So Huge. well done to Andrew for um, sharing that uh, on his social media and, and actually getting some attention for her as well. Her at is move for Lex. So if anyone wants to, to jump on and, and you'll see the challenges she's going through, but um, nice of Andrew to do that. If you want to see the post, just head to Andrew Fafita's Instagram and you'll be able to find it there. And for Ruby Tui's post, head over to her TikTok, Ruby Tui, at Ruby Tui. Good work, Dean. Yeah, social <laughs> guru over here. In the rut. Tackling the tough headlines in sport on Can You Be More Pacific? So this week in the ruck, some of the headlines that we're tackling, we're going to kick it off with two things we spoke about last week, and, and, and we mentioned it in our socials for one of them, and that was Andrew Fafita, obviously a very serious injury to his larynx that he suffered um, a fortnight ago against the Newcastle Knights. Uh, Andrew's had to go into ICU, induced coma, um, had surgery, and is recovering, thankfully. Um, so it's it's good to hear that news come out of the Sharks camp and out of Andrew from Andrew and his family that he is on the mend. It's a, it's a huge relief, no doubt for for them. Yeah, it's it was scary. It was a scary moment for um, anyone who follows the NRL to know that you know one of our biggest stars and household names um, was going through such a traumatic time um, and so suddenly as well. But as you said, we are glad to hear that he's recovering. In other news. Totai Kefu was injured following a home invasion. Uh, it was really unfortunate. Like, it's actually the scariest thing, I think, that could happen. You know, you're sleeping in your home and people break in and it's just a burglary gone wrong. He's suffered some stab wounds, was rushed to hospital. His wife was, his two kids were. But thankfully, um, he's now out of hospital. And I was actually speaking to, to Tafa Pulotta now, who is a former Wallaby. And as we know, Totai Kefu is a, is a great Wallaby himself. And he just... Um, said that, you know, the way that he remembers Totai is someone that had so much time for everyone. And in a in an interview after he had come out of hospital, he was um, so compassionate towards the people who had hurt him and his family and had caused this traumatic season in their life. So again, they're not great stories, but it's just beautiful to hear that both of them are recovering. And we wish them all the best on their journey. Uh, another injury that I want to make mention of on the weekend, and it's it's more about this guy, and it's similar to Andrew's story, I guess, in that uh, Ronaldo Molotalo, also of the Sharks, in their game against the Tigers on the weekend, he suffered. He was having a great game, by the way. He played, he played unreal, and he suffered a broken jaw in the middle of the game. And um, there were shots of him from the sideline on the bench as the game was still continuing, and he was visibly upset. Um, with um, he knew that he'd broken his jaw pretty badly, and it, it probably meant that it could be the end of his season. Um, but after the game, he took the time. They played in um, Rockhampton, so. Great for Rockhampton to get a fixture, regional area in Queensland. Um, and, and Ronaldo wanted to um, show some love to the fans, so he walked around the, the field with an ice pack on his jaw that was looking like it was hanging by a thread. And he gave his boots to a young fan, a young Sharks fan in the crowd, and waved and clapped all the fans and still visibly shaken by, by the injury. So shout what out to – Yeah, what a, what a guy. Shout out to Ronaldo for just being a, a good guy. And again, we wish him well on his recovery too. Turning our attention to the rugby union, last we spoke, the Wallabies versus All Blacks, Bledisloe match, game three actually, um, 
was cancelled. However, we've just received news that Game 3 will now go ahead um, in Perth. The date is still to be confirmed, but I guess this is some good news because the Wallabies uh, were looking forward to hosting a match on home soil and they already they were already camped up in Perth and then had found out that there was no game. So um, I guess it's a, it's the light at the end of the tunnel. They would have, you know, no doubt been looking forward to it and now they have the opportunity to play the All Blacks. Yeah, there was a bit of mud being slung across the ditch. There really was. The, there was uh, so much shade. There was uh, the, the Wallabies or Rugby Australia saying they were, so, they were sideswiped by this, so they didn't see it coming. And then New Zealand said, no, no, we had these conversations and blah, 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 back and forth. And in the end, like you say, it's going to go ahead in Perth reschedule. We're still waiting on a, on a date for that, but hopefully we get that soon. Also, the rugby championship, which was in limbo um, mm-hmm. because of this, has uh, also been uh, a commitment to play that in Queensland here in Australia. Yeah, it's huge news. There was a lot of, um, like, as you said, people were in limbo, didn't know where this championship was going to be played, if it was even going to be played. Um, but it will now take place in Gold Coast, which is great news because there are international sides that will be heading into Australia um, and will give fans a great spectacle of rugby. Yes, good to see some international rugby getting off the ground. And on home soil. But that's not all in rugby news. Uh, Fiji Sevens um, is currently waiting on a decision as to whether they will play in the Vancouver Sevens or not. Yeah, this is uh, big for the players and, and the staff that are all involved here because should they decide to, to go ahead and play over in Vancouver or in Canada, uh, then, of course, they're going to have to go into a, a bubble again and they're going to have to quarantine it's for some period as well mm. and on return. So it's it's a really big ask for the players who just went through a, was it a five-month long campaign to, to play Sounds at the Olympics? Right. So um, it's, yeah, you could understand the staff and the players electing not to take part in the in the sevens pending, I don't know, changes internationally with travel and um, whatever else happens with uh, COVID protocols and guidelines. But yeah, if I was in their shoes, I would say, no, what about you? Um, yeah, if I just come off an Olympic campaign and had secured the gold and had been away from my family from, say, for instance, five months, um, there's no way you could convince me to jump back on a plane and go, go to Vancouver Sevens. I mean, if they were to go to Vancouver, no doubt they'll be heading into it as, um, tournament favorites, but you just have to ask a question like, what are you playing for if you go to Vancouver? Like you've done, you've ticked the biggest box, but I know like, yo, you shouldn't get complacent, bloody da 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 but I don't know. There'll be more. There'll be more rugby to be played. Some might be in a position where they're like, no, "I'm young. I want to play." Every opportunity to represent Fiji is a great opportunity, so you can understand that. But there will be more tournaments. Yeah, there will. There will always be more. ABC Radio Australia. Can you be more Pacific? Well, that's all we have time for. But we will be back same time, same place next week. Yes, so if you missed the show or you just want to listen to all of this magic again, it'll be replayed on Friday, 2pm PNG time, or you can find all our episodes on the Radio Australia website. It's all Kia. Mother. Can you be more Pacific? An ABC sport production for ABC Radio Australia. This program has been funded by the Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade.